From Twin Cities Business, this is By All Means, a show about innovation, drive, and purpose, and the leaders who make business work in Minnesota. I'm Allison Kaplan, your host and editor-in-chief of Twin Cities Business Magazine. We're coming to you from the studios of our presenting sponsor, the University of St. Thomas's Opus College of Business, serving more than 3,000 students enrolled in its undergraduate and graduate business programs. The college develops effective, principled business leaders who think globally and act ethically. And now, by all means. Our guest today is Aaron Newkirk, an award-winning innovator, tech entrepreneur, brand builder, and champion of startups. After working her way up the ranks at General Mills, she left to start Red Stamp, a modern correspondence company, which she built into a mobile app that made it possible to send personalized cards and invitations on your phone with just a couple of clicks. It was a game changer for me and about 2 million other users. With 10 million cards sent, Red Stamp was acquired in 2013 by Taylor Corporation one of the largest privately held companies in the U.S. Erin served as CEO until 2016 when she left and quickly became chief marketing officer for one of the hottest new Minneapolis-based insurance ventures, Bright Health, which made Forbes' next billion-dollar startups list for 2017. Then last year, she joined another Twin Cities startup, this time in the food industry. Erin is now Chief Marketing Officer of Local Crate, a meal kit company on a mission to source locally, from farm to chef to your kitchen. If Erin is involved, you can bet it's a company worth watching. I've been watching and reporting on her career since the earliest days of Red Stamp, and I've been lucky enough to become her friend along the way. I learn something every time I talk to Erin, and I always come away inspired. I know you will, too. Please welcome Erin Newkirk. Hi, hi. Thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting. Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited to have you here. And I want to start by quoting you, which I do oh, often, great. but now I'm going to do it on the mic. So here we go. Entrepreneurs, this is this is you, Erin. Entrepreneurs have this special gift of being able to solve people's problems. Yep. You, I think, have an innate ability to think about business in terms of problems and solutions. I'm just curious, do you think you were born an entrepreneur? Did you, you know, when you went to business school, when you were in your earliest part of your career, did you think I'm an entrepreneur who needs to get out? Um, you know, I, it's funny because you talk to other entrepreneurs about when they when the light bulb went on for them and they realized this is a path that they wanted to pursue. Um, and like many of them, it was a little bit later in life when I think I tried to conform to bigger company, business school, um, kind of all the steps that one should go through if they want to be quote unquote successful in life. And as I was doing it, um, I often would get a little bit frustrated in the sense that, you know, not everyone was looking at the why of the problem, not just the how we're going to get it done and the what it is. Mm -hmm. And that's when it hit me. And so it was really when I was working at General Mills with Mark Addix on um, launching Brand Champions, which is the General Mills training program for marketing. Um, Still alive today, actually. And this was, you know, 20-ish years ago or Mm -hmm. a little less than that. Um, But it was really during that time that I realized, wow, you know what? Like, actually, if you look at all these different business cases and businesses, you can clearly see the ones that are working are identifying what the problem is and how they can solve it for 
their consumers and their customers. And it's just like this light bulb went on and I'm like, I need to do this. Yeah. So do you think, though, that it's important? Because I think today, more than ever, everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Mm. It's cool. Entrepreneurs are the new rock stars, right? Yeah. We all wish we could That's be awesome. one. Yes. Um, <laughs> do you think it's important? Would you suggest to, you know, young future mm-hmm. business students that they go work for a big company before they do their own thing? You know, at the time that I was doing this, it was a time where you got me your MBA, you went to go work at a Fortune 500 company, you know, Fortune 100 if you could swing it. Um, I don't think that's necessarily the path today, but it is really helpful. I was just having this conversation with Amol Dixit, actually, who created Hot Indian Food, which mm-hmm. is an amazing um food restaurant. And he also grew up with me at General Mills. And so we were talking back about things that we do now that we learned uh, working for a magnificent company like General Mills. And it really did come down to, you know, what is your objective? What are your goals? What are your you know strategies? What are your tactics? And that line of thinking can add a lot of order to the entrepreneurial chaos that's going to ensue. So I think it's really helpful to have that, but you also have to be able to let go and um, understand that things are not going to happen the way that 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 you intend them to, mm-hmm. um, that you better have a plan B and a plan C and a plan D. And so if you can balance that, then how, whatever path can get you to that, I think you'll be really successful. So speaking of planning, at what point did you start thinking, what were the earliest seeds of, of Red Stamp? Was it while you were at General Mills? And and how did you, you know, how far along did you take that idea before you decided, I'm leaving to do this? Sure. Um, well, it was a convergence of a lot of different things. Um, growing up, I really, you know, it's it's a bit cliched, right? Like, I loved paper. Um, my mom did stand over my desk and whack her finger until I wrote thank you notes. I didn't love that part as much. Um, but I loved writing. I loved the art of creation. And so, you know, you take that flash forward years later um, when... I was working at General Mills with my co-founder of Red Stamp, um, Renee Walter, and we were sitting there trying to figure out what problem do we want to solve for people? What problem do we want to solve for people? And that mixed with this whole nature of feeling like, gosh, we're really busy doing what we're doing now, you know, having a family, taking care of our parents, um, working this big job um, as, as a brand manager, um, you know. How do we make sure that we continue to keep making our relationship stronger as we do this? And we felt this tug and this pull. And we were thinking, you know, there's so much technology that is alive today that exists that can be supplemented by some of the old world thinking, which was stationary and paper and everything else, which is like a, you know, wonderful articulation, right, of a sentiment that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was actually the the convergence of both, you know, the consumer problem. And then um, and that was something that we dreamed up while we were at General Mills. Um mixed with the the just the love of art and paper and and the surround. So, did you were you thinking to yourself I'm starting a stationary or correspondence company that's going to be digital or were you thinking I'm starting a tech company mm. that's going to do correspondence? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So, it was back in 2005, you know, before social media. Mm-hmm. You've heard me say this before. Before social media, before the smartphone. Was there a time before social media? <laughs> I know, no. I, I, it's hard to imagine, but yeah. there was. And I realize that dates me very much by saying that. But there were computers mm-hmm. and we had email. Um, and the internet. We had I the internet. We had and the internet and I think we had wonderful perspective <laughs> having not grown up on Instagram. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Um, and so, you know, it's interesting because for us, it wasn't really a tech 
play. It wasn't really a stationary play. It was more about the why and the mission of Red Stamp, which was always about making relationships stronger. So it was really about the relationship. And I use Red Stamp a lot in examples when I'm working with other entrepreneurs, you know, um, aspiring entrepreneurs who say, you know, how do you know when you have a really good business? And that goes back to exactly how we started this podcast, which is it's about the problem, but it's um, also about the solution. And the fact that in order to make relationships stronger, we knew we needed to bridge, you know, where people were, meet them where they're at, and give them something that's really easy, but that can yield something that's really lovely and something they're really proud of. And so Red Stamp, when it started, it was, you know, you log on to redstamp.com. Actually, at the time, it was Mm -hmm. redstampcards.com. And you, you know, type out what you want to say. We would handwrite it for you on an old-fashioned greeting card, a beautiful one. Um, And then we would put it in the mail for you. And it wasn't until the smartphone came out... um, that we really turned it into an app, actually, and we were one of the first apps in the App Store, which helped a lot mm-hmm. in, you know, in in the success of of the app. Mobile was kind of an aha moment for you. Yes, it was, and um, you know, another important entrepreneur in the Twin Cities, Dan Wick, who actually is starting something pretty great yeah. right now too. Another company, Omnia Fishing. You should check them out. <laughs> um, but you know, Dan Wick and I were sitting there, and we were amazed by this wonderful technology. Mm-hmm. And it was did you, you know, get the, the very Apple first 3. iPhone? Yes, it was. Yeah. You know, it was like the iPhone it was like 3. rounded and fatter, oh, and, yeah, yeah, black and yeah. Like really big, yeah. Um, and we were just like, you know, this is exactly what we need to take our business to the next level, where other correspondence companies were really focused on how can I make these big occasions even grander. We were like, it's actually the everyday moments. Like when you think about relationships and what it takes to make your relationship stronger, so back to the why and back to the mm-hmm. to the you know reason for the company, we're like, this is it. You can do it from the soccer field. You know, um, at the time my son was in kindergarten, he was getting all these really cute little back to school kindergarten gifts and I was taking pictures of it and I'm like, it just feels weird to just send a photo and a thank you. But I wanted my family who were in all areas of, you know, the US to know that he was opening his presents and and liking them. And so it was just the combination of all of that to be like, why not take those everyday moments? That's what relationships really are all about and elevate them. Right. And I mean, you made it possible to, to, to send a text thank you that was legit, that didn't feel like an afterthought well, because you're putting you. it in a card. Yeah, it was all designed. Yeah. It, yeah. Um, so back up a second. When sure. you first launched as a website, did that take money? And, and had you left General Mills before you launched it? Did, did you need to raise money right away? No. So um, it did take money. We didn't need to raise it right away. Um I was fortunate enough to be on maternity leave, actually, when it really took shape and was launched and started. Um, and I had a really good sleeper, so that really helped. Wow. <laughs> that is a, that's a game changer. Yeah, I tell him all the time. I'm yeah. like, oh, this wouldn't have happened without you. <laughs> He's let it go to his head, and it's been a no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, yes, it was something that actually um, my co-founder and I put money in. So it was our money. Um, we did it while we were still at our respective companies. Um, she had left General Mills at that time and was at a different company. And so, um, we worked on it, you know, it was our side hustle before the word side hustle mm-hmm. existed. That's you what were we were side doing. hustling before yes, it was exactly. A thing. Right. Exactly. And then how did you know it was time to really go full steam? Well, a couple of reasons. Um, I'm really fortunate to have an awesome and smart brother who looked at me and looked at the success and, um, you know, the trends of the company. And he was like, what are you doing? you got to go do this, mm-hmm. you know. Um, 
and he he kind of shook me awake. So that's that's really helpful to have someone like that in your life for when you you know start mm-hmm. your own thing. Um, and it's true, like it just it felt like that was where my heart and soul was. Um, it was really wonderful to see some of the stories that we started seeing come through. Um, you know, we had this wonderful woman who at the time was a um, you know senior level executive at AOL who was an early adapter, Hmm. you know, who was using us to send um, weekly cards to her sick grandmother. And um, she was very verbose and helpful to us in actually starting our business. Um, And I just kept hearing these stories from people where they're like, this is really helpful to me. This is actually making my relationship stronger. And it just felt good. It felt right. Mm -hmm. And it it seemed to have some success. So I took the leap and did it. Do you think, though, that more more people are likely to leap too soon? It seems like you were pretty careful and deliberate, you know, about when you left your day job. Do you think most, I mean, is that the right way to do it? How how do you know when it's time to leave? Yeah, it's different. I mean, right, it's always different. It's like when you ask someone, how do you know and decide yes, it's the right time to get married or mm-hmm. the right time to have a baby or whatever. I mean, and sometimes it just happens. So I've heard so many different stories over the year of when you know or when it's the right time. Um, I do think now, thankfully, given the economy and, and jobs that you can do, the the cushion can be softened a bit or the fall or the change or the mm-hmm. leap can be softened a little bit in the sense that um, it doesn't have to be an either or. Like there are things like side hustles, right? So you can do that if you have the dedication and the and the you know time to actually put into it. Um, so there's that option of going part time. There's taking a leave of absence, um, which you know I did, um, which was really helpful. So again, it. it cushioned yeah you know the the landing pad a little bit um so there's lots of different ways to do it and i would i would say that um you know it's scary when you do it for sure mm-hmm. it also helps to have um support you know whether it's through family um whatever it is you know yeah. it's it's helpful to know that you have a safe space if if something were to go wrong i also say that there really isn't such a thing as failure when you go and do these things it's only a question of market fit so at first if you don't succeed try again i mean sometimes the littlest tweaks can unlock really important growth hmm. so at what point did you go out and seek funding? When did you start looking for investors? Because I remember you couldn't find them in Minnesota. It was really, really difficult. I mean, again, this was early days here um, and we didn't really have a tech scene yet. And now it's I mean, it's so exciting. You know, I just Mm -hmm. right before I got here, I saw there was an invitation to a, you know, state of the state as far as Minnesota tech trends and Inc. is writing about us and all these wonderful, you know, big, big, big publications um, are starting to take notice of what's happening in the Twin Cities. But at the time, it was really small. And I think, um, you know, the fact that I was a female entrepreneur and the fact that I was a female in tech, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't even I don't even know if I identified as a female in tech. But looking back, that's what it was. Yeah. Um, there just there there wasn't a lot of interest. And in consumer driven businesses, too, I mean, most of the dollars were going to B2B businesses to support some of the great bigger consumer companies here. So um, I did go to New York and it was in 07. Um, um, and I, at the time, um, you know, went about it in a smaller way where I was looking for people that could invest for sure, but also just give us some really great advice. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I met my people in New York City. Mm-hmm. And they were interested because here was this woman from Minnesota, you know, who was coming out and 
with all the shine of the Midwest, work right. hard, ethic, you know, all that good stuff. Um, and so it was interesting to them, too. So it was a really interesting connection. So did you find good mentors? Did you find did. women in technology yes, that were I helpful? Did. I did. And in, in fact, one of them did invest in our company and came on as an advisor. Her name is Joanne Wilson. She goes by the Gotham Gal. Um, she has an amazing blog. Uh, she happens to do a lot of investing. We were actually her first investment on her own, which was really great. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people might know her husband as well. Um, you know, Joanne is the shining star in, in my eyes, but her husband, Fred Wilson, um, at Union Square Ventures actually has has done a lot in the space of, you know, Twitter, um, early on with GeoCities, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So they're just a pretty amazing couple. And through them, that was that unlocked a whole new world. Wow. Um, you, you talked about how far the Twin Cities has come in terms of the tech scene, mm-hmm. but it it still doesn't seem like women are, you know, it's not 50-50. Yeah. I, I've seen a lot of pictures of you judging things and <laughs> winning things, and it's you and a bunch of guys. It's always it. you and guys. There's never a line for the restroom. It's perfect. <laughs> but, um, but, I mean, does why is that? Especially when, I mean, women are certainly using the tech technology and no consumer products, why does it still seem like there is just this huge divide? So I'm I'm pretty hopeful for this. And I actually think that every day I hear from more women and about more women. um, And I think we're going to start seeing some equality in that ratio. Um, I see it actually already. But again, I know I'm involved in it. So um, perhaps it's a little bit more obvious, you know, noticeable to me. But you look at... um, Capita 3, which is an amazing venture capitalist, you know, firm that was just started um, by two amazing female entrepreneurs um, here in the Twin Cities. And I'm watching them really closely. Pam and Sarah are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at Sophia Fund. They continue to do yep. good work. And Joy they've Lindsay. been around a long time. Yes. Um, so, I mean, there are some, you know... Entrepreneurs. But is, that, is that what it is? Is it that we yeah, need women to fund do. women? We do. Absolutely, we do. Um, you know, I, and, and there are more and more women that are really excited about doing that. And there are more men too, and that's important. But I also feel like it's really easy um, for people to, any anyone, right, to be attracted to someone who is similar. I mean, that's just a, a proven mm-hmm. sociological phenomenon. Um, and I think the fact that more women are entering into this space is amazing. You know, like I look at um, my good friend, Alicia Webb, who just took over at, at Village Bank, yep. right? And um, she is, you know, starting to actually push the envelope a little bit more on investing in women, even in a more, um, I would say, male-dominated field of banking, you Mm -hmm. know? So forget all of the VCs and the angels and, you know, that side of it. But even just the day-to-day, I think, will be really, really helpful and interesting. So I do think that will help. Um, And I also, you know, I mean, one of the funniest parts about all of this, and I remember being at a panel that was um, put on by Tech.MN maybe five years ago, And it was the last panel that I really did that was like a woman's panel because I was like, you know what? I'm tired of doing women panels. Like, why don't we just have a panel on, you know, (laughs) X, Y and Z and it can be women featured on the panel. And, um, you know, someone asked me in the audience, like, how do I find great women to work with because you know it it's recognized as it adds diversity it adds interest it adds intelligence it adds a different perspective you know to a to a team and I was like I don't know but there are 51 percent of us out there like we are the majority right so we need to stop acting like the minority yeah 
Exactly. You're so right. Mm-hmm. And do you think you, you talked about how the money is improving and you can understand that. I mean, I always think about like, um, you know, the, the founder of Stitch Fix talking about mm-hmm. how hard it was for her. The men yeah. just didn't get it when she yeah. was going in and pitching. And then the guys who started Bonobos, it was like, oh, khaki pants. Right. Got it. <laughs> Bingo. Here's your millions of dollars. So, I mean, there there are those issues. But what about just women wanting to be tech entrepreneurs? Do you see that changing, too? I do. But I think because, I mean, I think women are amazing. Uh, I do. I'm a huge feminist. So I'm going to try and be really neutral when I answer this. But I think women have this uncanny, amazing ability to actually go in, get back to the whole problem solution. Mm -hmm. To, to listen, to understand, to notice what is needed in mm-hmm. this world, and then to come up with the solution for that. Um, and so I think technology is really just a platform at the end of the day, right? It's not like the reason to start a business. It's not, you know, in some cases it is, but I feel like we're quickly evolving to a world where it's becoming, sure. you know, it's a just, platform for a solution, right? right? right. It's becoming our day-to-day, our, our common thread. And so um, I think that is where you're going to start seeing more women in technology. You know, mm-hmm. Stitch Fix at the end of the day, for example, perfect, perfect example. You know, she's not it's not just about sending out boxes using the World Wide Web. Right. Mm-hmm. She's about helping people build a wardrobe. Um, she's from Minnesota, too. Did you yes, know that? Yes, fun fact. I know. Katrina Lake. Um, OK, uh, <laughs> so back back to Red Stamp, how things are humming along. Yeah. You're mobile. People yeah. are sending cards left and right. They're doing their holiday cards. You know, everything is, is working. Are you are you having fun or are you constantly thinking, what am I going to do next? What's the next thing? Yeah. When do I sell? Um Neither. Okay. <laughs> no, I had a lot of fun. I mean, I always say this, too. This is another one of my um, statements is that, and I, I'm not alone in this, but being an entrepreneur, it's the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, one day I'd come home and I'd be like, oh, my God, this is the most amazing thing ever. And then yeah. the next day I'd come home and be like, I don't know how I'm going to make it to the next day. I mean, it's really, <laughs> it's hard. And I think there's some glorification of that hard. So mm-hmm. I use that um, term in a way that, you know, it, it doesn't have to always be as hard as I think, you know, we like to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just so much more personal. It's your it's baby. Personal. You it's can't... a little scary because you have to bet pretty big and you have to make some pretty bold moves. Mm-hmm. And it can be really lonely at times. You know, all of those things are true. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you know, one of the things that I think is really important for any CEO of a company is to look back and, and not only be so into the day to day, but also really working on the business and saying, okay, what are the trends looking like? You know, where do I need to go? And so um, 2011, 2012, I started to see some more people enter the space and, you know, Apple cards came and went and, you know, Shutterfly tried to enter the space and failed and left. And I mean, I saw this and I was like, you know, this is just, to me, it felt like it was becoming more and more of a price game, less of a value proposition. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I started to say, okay, what do we want to do here? You know, are we going to go out, raise more money? Um, is it time to find a partner to, to potentially either, you know, have a strategic partnership with or sell? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I met, you know, the occasion group at Taylor and it just felt like a really, really great connection. And we had had interest, you know, for the ever, ever since we launched. I mean, we were really fortunate to secure a lot of amazing PR, mm-hmm. yeah. um, you know. You, so. the, the other interesting thing about your business is yeah. you gave away a lot of stuff. I mean, you could mm-hmm. send a, a virtual card mm-hmm for free. You didn't mm-hmm. have to even. So I, I was always curious, like how that worked. When when did you become profitable? And did the free stuff make it 
easier or harder to gain customers? Well, it, it definitely made it easier, which is why we decided to do it. I mean, for us, you know, we, we identified all the different ways that we could monetize the business and throttling um, usage did not feel like a smart way to do it, right? Because we wanted people to come on, try us, use it. Um, and we felt like, you know, the people that were using us the most were then being like, oh, and I could use this to send a card. And it wasn't that expensive. So mm -hmm. it was, you know, it was one of those things where it wasn't um, a huge investment in a purchase. Um, we also found other ways to monetize the business. I mean, actually, at, at the end, um, most of our monetization was coming from partnerships that we had because, of course, making relationships stronger doesn't just isn't just like friend to friend or you know family member to family member. It's also businesses too, mm -hmm. and so we found a really big sweet spot um, with other businesses who wanted to use our application and platform to help them deepen their relationships with. So, their like, give us customers. an example. Um, so, Starbucks. Um, Build-A-Bear, Stella and Dot, um, I mean, that whole direct sale business was a huge find, you know, for us because of the fact that they had independent consultants who needed an easy way to set up events and keep in contact with their Got customers. it. So Red Stamp created customized yes. virtual stationery yes. yes. or, or collections, collections. both private and public. And yeah. Okay. And Starbucks was interesting because we were working with them to help um, people send thank you notes to the baristas who were part of hmm. their everyday life. I mean, you know, when you look around, right, it's it, there. Obviously, relationships are everywhere. Good, yeah. bad, otherwise. And um, so anyways, it was a it was an interesting monetization lever. And we, of course, looked at other ones um, as well. You know, so there there were other ways to monetize it. We just felt like throttling usage wasn't wasn't the right one. Why do you think though that that nobody was able to totally rip you off? Not they didn't they couldn't do what you were doing. And I still don't I don't have another red stamp like yeah. app today. I know well, people well, keep asking. I know. <laughs> I <don't> know. <laughs> but I mean, really, why do you think what what did you do that was so special and different that couldn't quite be replicated? Um, that's an interesting question. I, you know, I do think staying true to the fact that we were about relationships and not just about design or, you know, monetizing or again, like this idea we were about elevating the everyday and, and really trying to help people. I mean, we used to call ourselves, you know, the modern day um, personal you know, secretary, like mm -hmm. in the sense that we were all about like trying to help people manage their lives, you know, instead of the head of household, um, we, you know, we would talk about her a lot. We had a name for her. I mean, you've probably heard me talk about this, but like we really cared a lot. What about was her name? Was using Kate. Kate. Of course it was Kate. Kate. Yes, it was Kate. <laughs> um, but, you know, we, we really, we just felt very strongly that we needed to do right by our consumers all the mm -hmm. time, you know, people that were using it. We called them brand champions. We didn't even call them customers. Um, and, and I think that made a big difference. I think having that strong why and mission is really important. Um, I mean, not to flash forward, but mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons that I'm doing what I'm doing now with Local Crate. You know, it's like you just really have to be very passionate and very knowledgeable about who you're working for and what you're doing. I want to talk about that. So first, let's let's get you yes. sold. Yes. Let's get you yes. out of Red Stamp. Sold. So so Taylor Corp comes calling. Yes. And you're ready you start yes. thinking this is this is a good thing yes okay and then you stay on which Correct. is not I mean doesn't always happen yeah did, did you think you were going to stick with it or did you think it was just a transition you you going to Taylor Corp and still being the CEO of Red Stamp you know um 
Well, one of the things that was really interesting, we got to spend a lot of time with Glenn Taylor, who I have so much respect for, Mm -hmm. um, obviously. I mean, me and all of Minnesota, so Mm -hmm. I'm not unique in that way. But, um, you know, we had a wonderful meeting that I think was scheduled for a half an hour, and it wound up going three hours, where we were just talking about the ins and outs of the business, and he was talking about technology, and it was something that Taylor was really looking for as part of the acquisition, not just the individual business of Red Stamp, but also our knowledge in mobile and um, technology as a platform. And so um, we wound up having an amazing conversation. And he asked me point blank, um, you know, he said, listen, I'm interested. I mean, you got to love it, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, as we're shaking hands, sitting at a table, big boardroom table in Mankato, Minnesota. And he's like, but I'm not interested if you're not interested because, you know, I, I, I acquire people, not just businesses. Um, And I love that. And that's, you know, how he ran Taylor. And so um, right when he said that, I was like, this is, it it was another piece of the puzzle that felt really right. Um, And at the time, you know, we were actually talking to a couple of different companies, like really big companies, Mm -hmm. you know, think, think Shutterfly-esque, you know, Mm and I was like, you know, this just felt really good. And so I was very interested in staying on because the people around the table were great. And your whole team And the whole team. On? And that was another important thing is um, I really wanted to make sure there was a place for the team, anyone who wanted to come with, you know. And mm-hmm. everyone did, thankfully. And so we were all... And did it work? I mean, we hear lots of high profile stories, the Instagram guys, you know, I mean, people are getting acquired and it works for a while or it isn't quite what they thought. Do you feel like you went in realistic? I did. You know, there was actually a lot of change happening at Taylor at the same time that we were acquired. So Glenn retired and his niece, Deb Taylor, who's another amazing person, Minnesotan, Mm -hmm. um, you know, took the helm. Um, And she had, you know, obviously goals and objectives for all of Taylor that I think, you know, were more evolved. And that was one of the reasons that Glenn retired and she and she came forward. Um, And so there was actually quite a bit of turnover. You know, the people that were part of the acquisition team for us all left. Um, There was about three different teams. So, you know, in all honesty, um, it was a great place to be. And I felt like, you know, very much um, the ideas that we had were definitely listened to. Some of them worked, some of them didn't. And it really just depended on the broader company strategy. And I totally mm-hmm. get that. But and, I, and, you know, I've heard similar stories, I should say, too, from entrepreneurs. I haven't really talked to Kevin at Instagram, but I'm guessing, <laughs> you know, similar thing with Mark and Cheryl. But um, no, I'm kidding. But but it's, it's one of those things where you... You have to look at it, you know, what's right for your company, what's right for your team, what's right for the business that acquires you. And it's not always easy, um, but it, it winds up working out. But is it like, does it kind of suck a little bit of your soul? I mean, how do you go from like, yeah. this is my baby, this is my right. everything, I've put my heart and soul into this, to I work for this big company, yeah. you know, on this particular brand? Yes. Um you know, it didn't it didn't suck my soul. Um, <laughs> I never got to that point. Yep. <laughs> soul still intact. But, you know, I, I think um, there were days where I came home and I was like, oh, you know, this is this is different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's hard. But at the same time, you know, I, I really feel like I was the steward of mm-hmm. Red Stamp all along. You know, it was really owned by the people that used it. I was there to guide it. Um And because I think I had that presence, we let data rule a lot of the conversations and decisions that we made. And, you know, Taylor's a bunch of smart people sitting around a table saying, yes, this makes sense. We should do this. Um, So I really don't feel like, you know, there was a lot that was discounted. I think it speaks to making sure that you're selling to the right company, though. Sure. Um, Make sure that it's it's not just something where you're like, I just want to get the deal done and get a win, you know, 
chalked up to my name. It's like you're going to have to put in, regardless of how long you stay, it's always going to be something that you helped create. And so you've got to feel really good about where it goes. Yeah. And so the time that I left Red Stamp, I was like, you know, I'm not leaving it. I'm not abandoning my baby. I'm just sending it off to college. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that. And some of your people stayed yes. after you left. Yes. And and what what is the status now? What has happened? Well, Red, Red Stamp, Stamp has closed. Um, that happened about a year ago. And, you know, there was, I think, some redistribution of the assets uh-huh. that um, I can't really talk about, nor do I really. I'm not super yeah. close to. Um, is that hard? I don't no. know. No. You know, I mean, it's hard when, like, I st- I was a huge user of yeah. my own uh, Me too. Platform. I haven't sent a birthday card in a year. <laughs> well, it is weird <laughs> when I go on, you know, Facebook will send, like, the reminders of the activity that you did yeah. the year before. And it will show these, like, cards. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, I remember that card. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I, um, yeah, and that's actually, I haven't, I didn't send Christmas cards this year, actually. It's kind Ooh, of interesting. I know. I should wow. tell that to a therapist or something. Yeah. There's probably something buried there. Um, does it make you think, does the entrepreneurial brain start thinking, is there another play in that arena? I, I think I'm done with that arena. But okay. I, you know, I would say this, like I'm looking for another female founded or female run um, company that that I can put my money behind. I mean, I love Minted. And it's a beautiful platform. They don't have the same flexible application of mm-hmm. you know, being able to send. Um, but yeah, so I mean, back to your question, it 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 hurts a little bit in the sense that you're like, ah, bummer. You know, mm-hmm. I remember the day. Um, but at the same time, life, life moves on and, yeah. you know, technology moves on and we have all this amazing technology, you know, like, so there's other things you can do. I mean, filters and fun, right, things that we did not have at Red Stamp because it, the technology wasn't around when we were doing it. So right. it's right. good. I think everything, it's good. So you've certainly moved on. You're have, you, yeah. And it was kind of interesting to see you go to not start your own thing, <laughs> but join another thing. Yes. And, and first it was health insurance, which I seemed know. like a big leap. Oh, and yes. now meal kits. How are you making these choices? So my North Star, I mean, what guides me and um, is somewhat my mantra, I guess you can say, is I'm all about doing good with good people. And so that there's that expands a lot of different, you know, Mm -hmm. realms. Right. Um, Whether it was Red Stamp working with my team and working with our, you know, amazing Kates and customers and, um, you know, or Bright Health, which is where I went next mm-hmm. for health insurance. Um, I really believe where there's a problem to be had and a problem to be solved, um, you know, should go there and mm-hmm. put energy and effort and, and all that good stuff behind it. And um, this is a little cliched, but when I hit 40, you know, I realized, like, gosh, you know, I'm not going to be able to stay up all night and drink Coke and eat pizza, <laughs> you know, <laughs> forever and ever. And so I started to pay more attention to my health. And in doing so, I was like, wow, there's a lot really wrong with our health system, right? Hmm. Health insurance, health care, et cetera. And that was all happening while I was at Red Stamp. Um, and so I was more interested in a health field. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when a trusted friend came to me and said, gosh, there's this great opportunity that I think you'd be really good for. Mm-hmm. At Bright Health, you know, would you be interested in meeting the guys that started it? I was like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's just amazing the growth. Oh, that they've it's amazing. Had. Yeah, they've been super successful. Um, and now you're in your second chief marketing officer yes. role at Local Crate. What was appealing about that? Yeah, so um, well, a lot. Um, I have a real affinity for um, local crate and local food, um, and what we're what you know the world needs as far as nourishment um, and how that affects people's health as well, right? So um, I met Frank Jackman and Mike Stahlbaum, who are the founders, um, through TechStars, which is another phenomenal program. Mm-hmm. Ryan Brochard, um, the retail program. 
Ryan is a wonderful connector. I've known him, I mean, since way back in the in the Red Stamp days, actually, when he was launching Matchstick, which is his fund. Oh, right. Um, and so um, I'm. It was a small world in that way. And when those guys said that they were looking for someone to come in and help them from the strategic marketing perspective, um, and marketing in the sense of more like brand management and strategy and user experience, not just the advertising. Yeah, you know, that I feel like that's of kind of a deceiving title. Well, it's it, you know it's funny because you need a I feel bigger like, title. Oh, <laughs> thanks. thanks. We'll <laughs> bigger make than sure to chief. Note that. Chief of all. <laughs> Almighty, no. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, the great thing about a startup is truly the only time I ever use my title is when I'm doing things like this, right? right? right. It's like we don't sit around and, and think about it that mm-hmm. way um, at all. But um, yeah, I mean, when I was talking to them about their business and they were in the process of actually raising their seed fund at the time, um, they were getting a little bit frustrated because they were talking about meal kits. And I'm like, you guys, this isn't about meal kits. This is about making local food accessible and, and putting it into a box Ooh. that makes it really easy for people to to pick up and consume and eat. And they were like, yeah. And I'm like, you know, again, I keep using the term platform, which is highly overused. But, um, you know, it's, it's about it local as a platform, right? Yeah. And how can we best introduce people, um, take the best of the growing region and wrap it up and put it in an awesome recipe that's made by one of the truly the most talented culinary minds I know. Um, and that, you know, that was and, Local Crate. And that's what's different about Local Crate is that you're sourcing locally. Yes. You're having local chefs prepare or, or create the menus. And so it's all happening in whatever market you're in. It you're is. in how many markets now? Well, so we're in the upper Midwest, okay. which is Illinois, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Iowa. And then we're also in on the West, mostly California, mm-hmm. with a few little dabs into Arizona. So those borders. Um, there is a lot happening in meal delivery and Definitely. packaged meals. I mean... Do you is is it getting saturated or is no? This... You know it's interesting because I feel like you open up the news and um, you know one meal kit launches and another fails. Yeah, I mean it's a really tough business and a lot of it is because if you look at how the economics and how it's structured, it's really built around the centralized food system that we know today, um, which is not it, it's it's not sustainable. I mean it's not healthy. Um, you know one of the facts that I think was most startling to me um, that was gathered by the USDA is that 17% of Americans' dollars, it goes towards ingredients through Hmm. the centralized food system. So like the big food that we know today, 17%. Okay. So the rest is packaging and marketing and processing. And so, you know, like looking at corns, corn chips, all that kind of stuff. So 17%. And that's including the perimeter of the store, mind you. So like the you know, raw fruits, vegetables, yeah. whatever. If we if we look at what we do at Local Crate and, and sourcing locally, 61% of the dollar can be spent on ingredients. So you think about that. 17% of what you're eating through centralized food is actually food mm-hmm. <laughs> through mm-hmm. a non-localized model. And, you know, and six over 60%. And that's because it's local? Because there's less processing, there's less warehousing, there's less packaging, there's less transport. I mean, the the programs that we have, the kits that we have, you know, it's all whole food, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that means you need to chop a little bit more, but you're actually chopping and doing something that, you know, tastes good and is good for your body. Right. Is it, I mean, it's got, you've got that startup energy, some of, a lot of the same decisions and, and, and growth, but it's not your baby this time. Yeah. You're kind of an auntie or <laughs> How does that feel going from having your own thing to working on someone else's thing? Yeah, I think we should ask Frank and Mike that actually. (laughs) 
because <laughs> I haven't stopped. I'm, I'm pretty much a lot of times, you know, the loudest in the room. You are. Um, no, I, you know, I think the team chemistry is so important. Just yeah. like we were talking about before with like Taylor and Red Team and everything else. You know, you've got to just make sure you're surrounded by really good people. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, back to the whole doing good things with good people. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that... Um, Experience matters. I think that, you know, everyone has their own perspective coming to the table. And so we just have really, really good discussions. Do you have another thing? Do you, Are you always thinking about your next startup? I, well, I, one of the things that I really love and one of the reasons I knew Local Crate was great, uh, you know, for me was um, the fact that those guys were still and are very supportive of what I do, you know, outside of Local Crate. So um, I love working with other founders and entrepreneurs, um, both men and women. <laughs> um, I do sit on a couple of great boards. Um, so, you know, I'm, I am one of those people that I feel like my, my mind is always turning. I actually last January started a new initiative called Satya. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really all about helping founders and, and leaders, it's not just founders, succeed through um, speaking their truth, you know, and figuring out not only the why and the what and the who, um, but also how to how to best say it and stay true to your vision. So that's so pretty kind exciting. Of consulting. Consulting. Yeah. You can help me think of a better word for that because I feel like, <laughs> you don't like the word consultant. Well, it reminds me of office Boring. space, yeah. you know, and the bobs. <laughs> but um, but it's like it's really I just I want to help people thrive. I mean, that's what makes mm. me happy. You know. Okay, that's great. Yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> um, I, I'm curious actually because you do help so many people and you are so wise and you oh, always have so something sweet. to add to the conversation and everyone knows that. How do you manage your time? You've got this job and then you've got all these people who want your help and advice. How do you say no? Um, I really have a hard time saying no. I really do. Um, and you're kind. I don't know if I'm in quite in as much demand as you say that I am. But I feel like it, it sorts itself out in the sense that, you know, there are ways to help people either through face-to-face or on the phone or, you know, even just sending great articles and references or mm-hmm. connecting people is another big one because I lots of times am not the person they should be talking to. It should be someone right. else, right? Um, so... You know, it, it all works out. It all works out. Okay. I still get my yoga and my meditation in. It's all good. That's key. It's all about the meditation. <laughs> it is You're all... always on to the next thing. Oh, always. yeah. Always. Are you meditating um, these days? I'm not, but I probably should be. All right. We'll talk be. about that after. Yeah. Well, if, if there's a startup and you stick around, we're going to go back to the classroom at the University of St. Thomas Opus College of Business to get some practical advice on starting a company in today's landscape. Erin Newkirk, thank you so much for being oh, here. Thank you. Can't wait great. to see what you do next. Thank you, Ellie. And now, back to the classroom with our sponsor, the University of St. Thomas Opus College of Business. So what does it take to be a serial entrepreneur? Let's go back to the classroom with the University of St. Thomas Opus College of Business. David Deeds is the Schultz Professor of Entrepreneurship here at St. Thomas. And we wanted to find out, Professor, what do you think it, it takes to to really do to be to do entrepreneurship as a career? When do you know it's time to leave your day job? Do you need to go out and get that corporate experience first? What do you think is the best approach? Um, I believe that corporate experience helps, and particularly early in the career, because it provides a level of discipline. It teaches you kind of focus and processes and things that you can use going down the road. 
Um, and as Aaron said, you're going to get to apply them. You're going to make get to make plans, and then you're going to find out they don't work, and you're going to have to adapt, which is the other half of being a serial entrepreneur or a professional entrepreneur, like you see in, in Aaron's case. You need an opportunity focus, a problem focus. You're trying problems or opportunities. When things aren't working right, when you know, so you're always looking. There's a mindset where you're looking for things that can be done better, where there's a gap between what's possible and what's currently being offered. And so in one of the great quotes I got from an entrepreneur was one time, I don't look for what's on the shelf, I look for what's not on the shelf. And so it's this mindset that you find in the serial entrepreneurs. But having that training, having that, that little bit of background um, helps you structure and helps you organize, and, you know, because stuff is going to come at you like a, out of a fire hose. Do you think it's, it's a separate breed to, to be someone who starts a business and does that well and be someone who just has that certain mindset where they're always looking for the next problem to solve? I have studied entrepreneurship for years and years and years. I've seen people come to it early. I've seen people come to it late. I've seen stories about people being paper boys, and I've seen people become entrepreneurs when they're in their 60s. Um, men, women. So I, I'm agnostic on whether they are born or built. Um, I just firmly believe that anybody can do it. Um, and it, again, comes, I think you develop this mindset, particularly you see it in the serial entrepreneurs. They may come with it early or they may simply develop it over their career, but they have this mindset. We're constantly looking for things that don't quite work right, where something can be better. And they start figuring out how to make it better. Okay. Well, that's inspiring. You make it sound easy. Thanks so much, Professor Deeds, for all the inspiration. And thank you to our sponsor, University of St. Thomas Opus College of Business. If you haven't already, please subscribe to By All Means wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also go to tcbmag.com slash byallmeans to learn more about the show. On our next episode, we talk to Jackie Berglund, founder of Finnegan's, the first beer company to donate 100% of its profits to charity. Also, the founder of the new Finnovation Lab, where she She's incubating socially minded startups. I'm Allison Kaplan, and on behalf of Twin Cities Business, thanks for listening to By All Means. Thanks to Brad Jacobson, John Sullivan, and Tom Forlitti from St. Thomas, as well as Sam Schaust and Ricky Hannigan from Twin Cities Business for helping to produce and engineer our show. Our theme music is by Songfinch. Thanks also to Senior Media Relations Manager Vanita Sakar and Associate Dean of the Schultz School of Entrepreneurship, Laura Dunham, for helping us to make this happen. Hope you enjoyed, by all means. By all means.